1: 7.36am. You are listening to The Morning Run. I'm Shazana Mukhtar with Wang Xiaoning and Philip C. There was no love lost between Donald Trump and NATO during the former's presidency, and US allies were reminded of this recently when Trump reiterated comments made to a NATO ally during a rally in South Carolina over the weekend. Now, Trump told the crowd that he would not defend any NATO member that had failed to meet a long-standing target of spending 2% of its GDP on defense, and would even encourage Russia to continue attacking.
0: This has sparked reactions from NATO and European leaders who call for greater unity and military cooperation, emphasizing the principle of all for one and one for all for the alliance, that alliance that the alliance espouses. So, what does the specter of a Trump return to the White House mean for NATO?
1: For some analysis on these developments as well as other uh, developments on the Ukraine war, we have on the line with us Dr. Alexei Muravyev, associate professor at the Na- for National Security and Strategic Studies at Curtin University, Alexei, Good morning. Thanks very much for joining us. So Donald Trump's recent comments on NATO have sparked outrage from U.S. allies. But isn't there a grain of truth in his allegations that few NATO members contributed the two percent GDP target on defense?
2: Well, thanks very much for this romantic question. But uh, <laughs> uh, on on well, it's Valentine's Day after all. Uh, but on a, on a more serious note, yes, there is. Uh, And there's been a a longstanding quarrel coming from Washington towards the European uh, capitals about the question of burden sharing. The The difference between conversations that were held prior to Trump's presidency and Donald Trump, it was done in a more diplomatic and clandestine way, whilst Trump being... First of all, a very charismatic character, to put it very delicately, Uh, and also a businessman. He just says the way how he feels, and that's why uh, the, the, the elephant in the room became very, very visible. So, yes, the Europeans... Uh, have been underspending and that's also been reflected in 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 their realization that the promises that they made to the ukrainians cannot be fulfilled and and europe looks really poor compared to to russia's for example military industrial performance also because they just lived in the shadow of the united states security and nuclear umbrella and they thought that that's going to going on forever
0: do you think then this is the wake-up call for NATO members to actually put more money into building up their own defense, arsenals, weapons, things like that?
2: Well, uh, the war in Ukraine was a wake-up call and, mm-hmm. and 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 the prospects of of Trump returning back to the White House uh, has kind of Put put a permanent alarm in the minds of many um, uh, ruling elites across Europe. I, I understand that some of them have set up secret committees to discuss ramifications of Trump's uh, um, uh, return uh, to the White House. Uh, whether Europe is uh, is capable of standing on its own, well, in in my um, uh, in my observation, Europe has lost strategic autonomy. So the the Europeans can happen puff about that they need to stand uh, and 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 stand up and and be independent but this dependency that uh, developed over the past 70 or so years cannot be simply overruled over overnight so i think It will take a lot of courage, it will take a lot of boldness and it will take a lot of harsh decisions that I don't think any uh, European bureaucrats are prepared to make. So declarations are out there, the reality may actually be different.
0: Mm. It's interesting what you're saying. That means really it's very hard to replace NATO, isn't it? That actually uh, Trump could call all the shots when he takes power then.
2: Well, technically NATO can be replaced, but the question is replaced with what? Europe cannot pull itself together. It, it depends so much on not only on on U.S. Uh, strategic nuclear defense, but also on on uh, on, on the military side of uh, military technical side of things because many European armies operate uh, U.S.-made military equipment, and by that, they they it makes them dependent on the United States. Again, as I said before, it, the Europeans are realizing now how seriously they lack lacking the indigenous production capability if they cannot manufacture shelves uh, in, in sufficient qualities to, to beat the russians uh, and quantities sorry to beat the russians what what can we say about aircraft main battle tanks, and other heavy p- pieces of equipment so again declara- declaratory the europeans may be saying well we need to be able to support ourselves the reality is they've been on this um, on this lifeline from, from, the, from Washington for such a long time, I'm talking about security and defense lifeline, without which uh, uh, I, I think they will find themselves absolutely exposed.
0: Do you think Putin is rubbing his hands in glee with, on the back of this news and this will embolden him even further?
2: Look, I mean, we need to take into account that Trump is on the election run. I mean, mm-hmm. he says things that may not necessarily translate into actions once he is in the White House, because unless he will really take charge at the U.S. political machine, he will be, he will actually be managed by the, by the political machine in, in, in Washington. But I think Putin calculated, and this is where we kind of, misunderstood uh, the extent of Putin's thinking uh, of of the shortfalls, shortfalls in Europe on potential political issues in, in the United States. So he's certainly rubbing hands of realizing, uh, of seeing how the Europeans are realizing, waking up to the new reality that even their political unity that was formed after Russia's invasion of Ukraine does not necessarily enhance their security. So I think... Um, Putin's body language during his Tucker some interviews says it's all, you know, he is, he is feeling confident, he knows what he is doing, and he sees a couple of steps ahead.
1: I want to bring Ukraine into the discussion, and I'm wondering what the status of Ukraine's bid to join NATO is after two years of war in, in that country. I mean, is there likely to be any progress made on this front in the short term?
2: There's going to be declaratory progress. Uh, the Ukrainians are being fed promises. And I think that's the most reliable aid that comes from the Europeans. They've been promised EU membership. They've been promised NATO membership. But uh, they, they, if, you, if you read carefully they, the conditions of, 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 of entry into, the member, uh, into NATO, A, you need to eradicate corruption which seems to be an incredibly challenging task for Ukraine. You need to have strong civilian uh, and democratic institutions, which is another incredibly challenging task for Ukraine. You shouldn't be fighting wars and you shouldn't be having territorial disputes. And, you know, there is no need to comment that. So I, I think until the hostilities will come to an end and NATO will actually work out what sort of Ukraine they're talking about, um, because clearly the, the borders of Ukraine will change after this conflict, whether we like it or not, then conversation uh, will will continue. But for now, I think it's it's nothing more than just a declaration to keep the morale of the Ukrainians high in the absence of real military aid.
0: And that's why it's very interesting you talk about the borders of Ukraine will be changing. You know, next month, actually, we, we reflect two years of the Russia-Ukraine war. Do you expect any more offensives or do you think this is where we are at now, a stalemate between both sides?
2: The Russians will continue to push. There is no doubt about that. What what they haven't done, they haven't launched any major operations. And whether that suggests that they are lacking uh, capacity or they are lacking will, or they are waiting for the weather to improve, that's, a, that's another question. Um, Ukraine's capacity to counterattack. I think has been exhausted, and in fact, uh, the new uh, uh, the new chief of the Ukrainian armed forces has just confirmed. General Sirsky has just confirmed that Ukraine has by default shifted to defense, which has been uh, writing on the wall for a couple of months now. Um, uh, so it's it's effectively up to up to Vladimir Putin whether he will approve further offensive, and he needs to do it if you really. And wants to demonstrate that Russia's so-called new territories are in Russia's control because none of Russia's newly acquired territories are under Russia's full control. So even to meet the provisions of Russia's constitutions, he needs to continue to press um, with uh, uh, with with the offensive, but whether he wants to take more um, in order to create some sort of on sanitary the buffer that would stop Ukrainians of taking targets in Russia, something that he already promised twice now publicly, that that is yet to be seen. But at this point in time, and obviously presidential elections in Moscow in in March, so he needs to deliver a success story. So at this point in time, I don't really see these things. Slowing down, even then Putin keeps talking about some sort of negotiations and and a dialogue. But if you read um, his commentary really carefully, it's not about any unilateral concessions on his part. It's about the bargaining game. And I think the bargaining game will reveal the extent of his geopolitical appetite.
1: Alexei, thanks very much for speaking with us. That was Dr. Alexei Muravyev, Associate Professor at Curtin University, talking to us about uh, developments concerning NATO and also on the Ukraine front.
0: The question here is, with all this Trump narrative, is it just all talk, right? But when he enters power, if he does enter power, whether the political machinery in the US can manage him?
1: I think that's the question everyone is wondering about. But also, he would be entering in terms of foreign policy to a very different geopolitical mm. landscape yes. well on some parts uh, than when he left.
0: I wonder about the plight of the Ukrainians though. When will this end? How will it end the war? Absolutely. That's why it's very important to see how the Russians of, you know, take the offensive right going forward.
1: 7.48am We're going to head into some messages But we will come back to discuss The health dangers posed by energy sticks Being marketed towards youth Stay tuned to BFM 89.9
0: You have been listening to a podcast From BFM 89.9 The Business Station For more stories of the same kind Download the BFM app